Hi everyone and welcome to a special edition of the Real World Behavioural Science Podcast. Today we're creating a special on the basis that, that Jim McManus, who is the Director of Public Health at Hertfordshire County Council, got in touch and said, with all of the stuff that's going on with coronavirus at the moment, it'd be great if we could put a, a, a special show together out quickly um, so that we have a, a sensible and robust approach to dealing with the issue uh, using the behavioural sciences and the social sciences. So uh, I jumped at the idea, came down and um, I'm sat with Jim now and uh, we're also really lucky because we've got Susan Mickey who is the Professor of Health Psychology and Director of the Centre for Behaviour Change at University College London uh, and Susan obviously is one of the co-creators of the Combi framework and the Behaviour Change Wheel so um, welcome to you guys really excited to have you to have you here today and to, to talk about how we can use behavioural and social sciences um, in business, in government, and in just using a sensible and well thought through approach to to managing the, the the risk and you know understanding what the risks actually are because it's easy uh, for us to become a little bit carried away with uh, this pandemic. So uh, welcome to the show. Really happy to have you here. Um, Jim, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about coronavirus as the D Director of Public Health in Hertfordshire? Um, okay, so firstly, this is a fairly novel infection that um, came to our attention when the Chinese authorities notified the World Health Organization on the 31st of December um, 2019 of a cluster of cases of suicide. Since then, as we've seen, it has spread fairly widely um, in a number of countries. Um, we are asked to prepare for a large epidemic of it in every nation, and in the UK we're on that footing as of today, um, when the Chief Medical Officer made his announcement this morning. Um, there is a great deal of fear out there, and I think there's been a great deal of misinformation, um, partly because it's a new disease, but also partly because I think we haven't used the behavioural sciences approach of using psychology of public reassurance and social psychology. Mm -hmm. um, it is for most people a mild disease, a bit like a flu, a bit like a bad flu for about 81% of people. 14% of people may develop more severe disease. 5% um, may be critical. And the death rate, well, there are a range of estimates. Figures are being bandied about from 0.3% to 3%. Um, but actually what we know is the death rate is actually much lower than many other coronaviruses like SARS and MERS. Mm. Uh, why are we concerned? I think, A, because it's new and, it, and people are scared. B, because I think some of the reporting has, has suggested it's much more lethal than it is. But C, people who are more vulnerable, so people with weakened immune systems, lung disease, heart disease, and people who are much older are at more risk. And if we get a massive epidemic, of course, we could have a number of deaths. But what we must remember is seasonal flu kills uh, uh, every single day in flu season, one, you know, somebody in the UK. Mm. So we shouldn't be complacent, but we shouldn't be over scared either. And it's that pitching realistic risk that I think we're not doing. Yeah. And, and Susan, I noticed that on your um, on your blog that you, you published on the BMJ, which is well worth checking out, by the way, um, that you, you have in your title that you are a member of the Scientific Pandemic Influenza Group on Behavioural Science. 
Um, do you want to sort of talk a little bit from your perspective about what, what that in involves and, and how that involves behavioural science? Sure. Well, there are uh, three different committees that are advising the government. Uh, one's more clinical, one's more statistical modelling, and we're behavioural science. And um, so far, our work has mainly been receiving uh, questions from ministers and giving our collective view about uh, what we know um, as evidence and also uh, what general principles we can extrapolate to address those questions. Interesting. Okay. And and what was the? So I, I read the the um, the blog that you put out, and I, I found it really interesting. Um, you know, applying the the COMB method um, to to this issue. Could you just give us an overview of what that paper sort of was trying to, to trying to communicate? Uh, well, you mentioned COMB, so let me just say to um, listeners what that is. Uh, COMB is C O M B, standing for Capability, Opportunity, Motivation, and Behaviour, um, and that is the most basic, uh, simple model of human behaviour there really is, which is that for any behaviour to occur, people need the capability, that is the knowledge and skills, uh, but that's not sufficient. They also need the motivation, but even capability and motivation isn't sufficient unless you've also got the opportunity. So that's um, the kind of overall framework. Now, I um, was inspired to write this blog uh, by colleagues and um, friends and, and family where people were really quite confused about, well, what is it exactly we're meant to be doing? And people were really looking to what are the specific behaviours? So I think the first thing that behavioural scientists can do is to try and be specific about exactly what behaviours, you know, who, what, where, when, how. So people, first of all, know uh, what it is they're meant to be doing. But that's only the start of it. You know, that's the head telling you. You've also got mm. to want it. Um, and there's all sorts of uh, techniques for getting people to want it through persuasion, through um, really playing on the emotions, which can be very powerful drivers of behavior. So things like the sort of yuck factor of having dirty hands um, or contaminated uh, surfaces or, you know, tissues that haven't been disposed of properly. Um, but also the emotion of, um, you know, your identity and wanting to be a clean person, you know, a socially responsible person. Yeah. And then there's other drivers like people of very powerful influences. So, you know, kind of not wanting to be disapproved of uh, by uh, colleagues, friends, family, etc. Um, but I think in terms of the being specific about behaviours, the second is don't give massive long lists. Um, I know I listed the ones in that uh, article that I had synthesised from different uh, WHO, CDC and PHE advice. But I think, you know, the three that I think we should be really, and I, I think um, generally um, Public Health England is also co concentrating on, is cleaning hands, um, using and disposing of tissues and not touching your nose, mouth and eyes. Yeah, and I, I think it's really what you've seen a lot of is actually even go you mentioned the clarity point being clear with people they've been really clear about not just saying wash your hands but wash your hands with soap for at least 20 seconds to sort of make it really clear you know how how to wash your hands it might sound like people would know that but actually i think that's probably some of the most helpful information that people get is sort of I, I think they could go further actually because because 20 it's not just the 20 seconds it's 
you have to actually cover every single bit of the surface of your hand. So it's the backs of your hands. It's under your fingernails. It's between your fingers. So it's not just the amount of time, but it's actually the quality of hand washing. So um, hopefully that's the next message that will come. You know, get people doing it regularly and routinely. People aren't even doing that at the moment. Several years ago, myself and Val Curtis and other colleagues uh, did a really interesting study where we uh, wired up um, motorway toilets and look to see the ratio of people going into the toilet areas and those using soap. And it was about two thirds of women, a third of men. So we know that people aren't routinely doing this. So the first thing is, you know, get this into routine behavior. So before every meal, when you come up into any building, you know, the more that people can just build it into their routine behaviors, get it established, number one. Number two, get the hand washing so it's really effective. I'd agree with that. I think one of the challenges we have is actually how do people manage to perform these things? So if you look at the Combi model, one of the things we're going to be launching in the next week is a video campaign where we will have um, school children, we will have firefighters, nurses and others washing their hands and showing you how to do it and actually mm -hmm. performing it so mm. people can model that easily. I think it's one thing to say, one of the problems here is we still have too much of a kind of medical didactic model of we are telling you to do A, B, C, X, Y and Z, but mm. we're not actually looking at the combi model to say, well, how can you perform this? And that's really crucial. Actually give people the tools, make it easy to do, follow combi really um, properly so that the behavior becomes um, much more achievable. And, and from a... Um you know, a, a, a modelling perspective and also, I don't know if, if halo effect is the right word, but can we use influencers, people, you know, people in the media, people who are, you know, who influence young people, who influence people generally to sort of get them to to demonstrate that it's important as well, so that will bring it up, the sort of, uh, make, it, make it more obvious to people that it's, it's something that not just, you know, your mum and dad do, but, but, but everyone's sort of doing it. I think we could. I mean, one of the things, so uh, Susan has um, spoken kind of eloquently about the kind of psychology of how you get individuals to change their behavior in this. And, mm. and her piece in BMJ is really well worth a read. And actually, it was Susan who kicked this off by tweeting, are we using behavioral science? I think one of the areas we're not using is social psychology. Mm -hmm. So how do you get peer informers and peer influencers to get other people to adopt behavior change? How do we use trusted people to do reassurance? Mm -hmm. uh, and particularly when you've got a lot of people who are um, anxious, don't have sources of trusted information, don't know what to do, having trusted people who can give clear, easily performed messages and steps to take about how to protect yourself and that people can identify with will actually help with behavior change. And we know that from social psychology. Mm -hmm. And one of the problems is um, we don't often use it in public health as much as we should. And one of the things that, that sort of stands out to me, and, and in fact the WHO um, called this an, an infodemic, um, because of the, the level of imagery that's out there of face masks and sort of quite alarming images. Uh, I know that, that um, social media, lots of the social media organizations have put disclaimers on the top of all of everyone's feeds to be able to sort of make sure that there's a clear message going out there that's trying to sort of, you know, circumvent the misinformation. Um, but with the, with the alarmist images, how, how do we use behavioral science? Because that does create a sort of a, an availability heuristic that people become alarmed by, I think, and it makes it seem like a a really big deal sort of, you know, of SARS proportions rather than of, of uh, 
Yes, so what we know about the, about the psychology of fear arousal is it largely doesn't work apart from certain circumstances, and it certainly doesn't work here. So what you get is avoidant behaviour. So I was walking um, out of the supermarket the other night, and past me on a mobility scooter came a man wearing a face mask while smoking a cigarette. And he saw my lanyard because I'd just come from work and we had a conversation. I said, look, best thing you could do is give up smoking because it will give your lungs a chance. The second thing you could do, by wearing a face mask and moving it aside, you're actually making it more likely that you will get um, some kind of virus like seasonal flu if it's circulating because you're using a face mask very wrongly. And he went, but everything I see on the media tells me this is what I should do. Mm-hmm. So we, I think we we have to actually start putting out very simple, clear, easily followed, easily operationalized um, messages for people uh, and start modeling those. Otherwise, they're not going to be followed. And and there are some um, sets of behaviors which are more automatic. So the avoiding touching your nose, mouth and eyes. Now, if, if you just say to somebody, don't do that, that's really difficult. And the evidence suggests you know, people touch their faces at least 20 times an hour. Most of that time, they're not even aware of it. So just giving information and giving messages isn't going to do it. Um, it, We know that it's much easier to do things than not do things. So, for example, uh, um, one, I think, suggestion, which I think could be really helpful, is just getting people to keep their hands below shoulder level because that's the kind of top-down bit of your brain um, telling yourself consciously keep your hands below shoulder level once your hands get up into the face level the chances that you touch your eyes nose and mouth is pretty high um so that's the sort of thing where you can draw on basic behavioral science and psychological principles um we can't say there's a randomized control trial of keeping your hands below shoulder level or not but what we can say is it makes absolute sense to do that but i also really like susan the fact that that within that advice you also had things around um you know making it making creating a social norm around asking people to tell you if you're doing it and Mm. making it okay for you to tell other people so that there's no barrier no social barrier to saying look you're touching your face or you know whatever yeah and and also things like you know, destigmatizing, not shaking someone's hand, for example, sort of explaining it ahead Absolutely. of time. I mean, I, I'm doing that already, you know, because I, I came into a building, I went to the ladies, washed my hands, walked into a room to give a talk. The person who's hosting it held out his hand to shake my hand. I thought to myself, I've just decontaminated my hands. <laughs> Why yes. would I want to shake hands with somebody where I don't know where the hands have been? Mm. So I just said to him, oh, I thought we're not meant to be making shaking hands now. And everybody sort of laughed. And it all yeah. helps to raise awareness of getting more self-conscious about one's behavior, monitoring one's own behavior, monitoring other people's behavior. And so the more I think that we can um, talk about it, the more we sort of signal uh, that sort of thing. Or if you've got tissues with you and, you know, somebody's coughing or something, you just hand them a tissue. Would you like a tissue? The more we can do this interacting and being social animals you know with each other the more that I think we can really get these things established um we did have it I mean when I was a child everybody washed their hands before meals that was just the cultural norm Mm, that's mm. gone we can easily get it back again if we all you know set our minds to it yeah no it's a really good point and I mean it's it's also again I keep going back to this I think I think it's really good the list that you pulled together uh, Susan even though it's sort of 
a bit longer than I was expecting when you said don't use long lists. But it's, <laughs> it's the, the stuff about like creating the if then plans as well. So mm. you've you've got the you've got the impetus to sort of you know you, you've planned ahead and you know that if X happens, then you've got something ready to go. You've got a heuristic or, or rule of thumb there ready to sort of just just roll along with. I think it's a really important thing for people to think about. And I suppose what I want to do before we we sort of close and um, uh, and finish the show is is just ask what what are the this is we're, we're mainly talking to professionals here uh, some in academia in industry and in health or public health uh, or across government local government or, or national so what what are we suggesting are the easiest things for them to start using behavioral science and social science in you know the the, the top tips we talked about the three things um, that you mentioned susan before but mm. what are we saying to professionals about that well i think there's three things and the first is um, make the behaviours easy for people to do. Mm-hmm. The second, so actually, you know, don't tell people to wash your hands. Give them videos showing them how to do it and make mm-hmm. it easy. The second thing is create social norms so that that becomes um, default, and we establish social norms of doing it. What Susan was saying about shaking hands. And the third thing for me is actually get trusted people that. Uh, ordinary folk can identify with Mm. doing it to help create and reinforce those social norms so create a social movement for me yeah okay and Susan do you have anything to add to that I totally agree with um, those three points that Jim made I'd say one other thing is that we know that one of the barriers to nurses uh, washing their hands frequently was their skin drying up so Mm. think about why you might not do it and then think about well what can I do to Um, help with that barrier carry hand moisturizer around with you in in your bag Um, you know so thinking well why might not I do it and what plan could I make to make it more likely to happen I'd just add that one yeah no I think that's a really really good point uh, and having it on you again is about sort of making sure you it's in your in your presence so it's easy yeah, to sort the, of and the tissues the tissues yeah. in your bag the moisturizers yeah. in your bag you know you've got everything there when you need yeah. it so a small amount of planning can go a long way basically is what we're saying yeah. here yeah absolutely and and actually every public health person responding to the pandemic ought to be reading susan's piece in bmj okay. and thinking about how they can apply that and and susan could you so that was my next point really just before we close which is is where can people go to get good solid advice either on this or just generally on on the you know the the issue of using behavioral science sensibly in your everyday sort of everyday work well i've been impressed by um the extent to which i think the behavioral science advice we've we've been given has been taken on board so i think uh, what's coming out of public health england and nhs about these um behaviors so far are good um so i'd say carry on going to those sources Great. Okay, Jim, do you have anything to add? I'd agree with that. I'd yeah. agree entirely with that. And I think um, uh, Behavioural Science and Public Health Network might be looking to put out a few things. Obviously, this podcast is there to actually help people focus on some of that. Mm. And, I, and I, yeah, I want to reiterate that the, the BSPHN is full of experts from academia, from industry, and from public health. So if you want to talk to any of those, um, then you know you can get in touch with the BSPHN. You can join it. You can join it now for twenty-five pounds if you're if you're working, and ten pounds if you're uh, not working, if you're unemployed, or if you're a student. And and there is actually a list on there of ev- all of all of the members. So if you are you know running a business, if you are working in health, if you're in local government, national government, wherever it is, and you're thinking, how can I do this? 
and you're not quite sure how to get started, then you can take the advice that we've talked about here. But also, if you join the BS Pitch, and or if you're already a member, there is actually a section on the website where you could get in touch with anyone from there and just say, look, I'm thinking about doing this stuff. Could I make this robust, but make it really simple and you know cost effective as well? So go and check it out. It's bsphn.org.uk. Um, so thanks so much, um, Susan and Jim. I think it was a really good short show just to sort of put something out that sort of uh, highlights the importance of, of just thinking clearly about what we can do from using behavioral science and social social science um, doesn't often cost anything at all it's just a really robust way of thinking that actually could in theory save lives so uh, well worth thinking about if you've got any uh, questions about that you can get in touch with um, the guys that you add them on LinkedIn and, and, and get hold of them on there uh, we're all on Twitter I'm, I'm at stew underscore King underscore HH. Uh, Jim, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, Jim McManus PH. And Susan, are you on Twitter? At Susan Mickey. Great. Okay, so super simple. Um, so yeah, thanks so much, guys. Really, really good to chat with you. And hopefully people will find this really useful. Thanks a lot. Pleasure.